Hi, and welcome to the B2B Marketers on a Mission podcast. I'm your host, Christian Klepp, and one of the founders of Einblick Consulting. Our goal is to share inspirational stories, tips, and insights from B2B marketers, digital entrepreneurs, and industry experts that will help you to think differently, succeed, and scale your business. All right. Hi, everyone, and welcome to this episode of the B2B Marketers on a Mission podcast. I'm your host, Christian Klepp. And today I am thrilled to welcome a guest onto the show whose experience, expertise, and amazing content actually got me started on my podcasting journey. So I would say that he's an absolute powerhouse when it comes to podcasting for B2B, and he's a notorious mic dropper. (laughs) Mr. James Carberry, welcome to the show, sir. Hey, Christian. I am uh, really excited to be here. We'll, we'll We'll try to minimize the mic dropping today yeah. those things get pretty expensive but yeah it's a little bit painful on the ears but i think i did your uh, reputation <laughs> justice with that description <laughs> yes I, I try to i try to drop a drop a mic on occasion <laughs> indeed all right james well let's get the ball rolling and just you know give the listeners a bit of background about yourself and what you do yeah so i started a company called sweetfish media about five years ago i, I guess about six years ago now in 20 january of 2015 and uh, we were originally a blog writing agency. And about a year into the business, we pivoted into becoming a podcast agency specifically for B2B brands after we figured out a thing that we now call content-based networking. So uh, essentially, content-based networking is a strategy where you reverse engineer relationships with the exact people that you want to do business with by asking them to be a guest on your podcast or really any other, you know, it doesn't have to be a podcast. It could be a video series. It could be a series of, you know, LinkedIn content. It could be blog posts. And so by doing collaborative content with your ideal buyers, with strategic partners, uh, with thought leaders in the industry, uh, you can actually build relationships with these people instead of just kind of cold pitching them on asking them to do whatever it is you want them to do for you and, and instead collaborate with them, create content with them, make them look like a rock star. And then on the back of that, now you've got a legit relationship. And so the possibilities of working with them are so much higher uh, because you've, you know, you've, you've taken a step toward actually building a friendship with them instead of just asking for something, which is what so many B2B companies tend to do. <laughs> yes, indeed. And I mean, you know, that was such a great introduction, James. And the, you, you know, the bit about the blog um, posting and whatnot, that really resonates with me because I think the, remember the first conversations you and I had, I actually, um, started uh you know this year by saying like okay maybe, maybe i should start uh, like writing blog posts and i think i got done with my first blog post and i said uh, i don't i don't think anyone's gonna read this so like what else <laughs> you know <laughs> so, so so what are the um you know the alternatives out there so i started like you know doing my research and you know uh, obviously your podcast and your company like you know was um at the very top of those search results and uh, i mean you know the rest the rest as they say is history right so I love it. Uh, yeah, it's yeah. good. It's good to know that uh, what we're doing on the SEO side is working as well. I think you you see so many people, and I don't want people to hear this and go, "Oh God, this guy's just going to talk about podcasting the whole time." Like mm. it's the only thing that can work. There are obviously lots of things. I was just talking with our director of partnerships yesterday. Lots of things work. Uh, no, I was talking to Dan from our team yesterday, our director of audience growth, and he was just like, "Man, ABM works. Uh, yeah. Podcasting works. SEO works. Community building works. It all right. works." Yeah. It, and and so you know, I, we're obviously going to talk about a, a lot about podcasting here, but. Uh, man, so many things work, and and hopefully uh, by the end of this conversation, your listeners will figure out how to how do they make their B two B podcast work as well. 
in conjunction with all the other things that they're doing. Absolutely, absolutely, James. And I think you you brought up another uh, really interesting subject that I'd like to jam on later on is about you know inviting your um, you know your potential uh, prospects onto the show and you know to interview them yeah. and start building that relationship from there as opposed to doing cold outreach and cold calling and cold emailing and all that kind of stuff that we see on LinkedIn on the on a daily basis, right? Yes, you're exactly right. right. So many so many people go straight for the hey, can I can I get you on a demo to show you a fifteen you know fifteen minute you know, showcase oh, yeah. of our product or, Hey, right. I'd love to get to know you. Can we jump on a call for 15 minutes? That, yeah. that does not <laughs> communicate value at all. But when nope. you ask for someone to be a guest on your podcast or a YouTube video series that you're doing, or you ask them to collaborate with you on a blog post that you're writing, that is inherently valuable to them because they know you're going to be positioning them in such a way that makes them look smart. And so when that piece of content is ready, it is a third party piece of content, a content, a piece of content not written or created by them. It's written or created by somebody else. Yes. And it's make and it makes them look awesome. Who doesn't want content written by or created by other people that makes them look awesome? Everyone <laughs> wants that. And so <laughs> Uh, you, but you've got to you've got to flip your frame and 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 you've got to start thinking about it differently. Uh, really trying to reverse engineer what is going to make this person actually want to engage with me. Absolutely, uh, I mean that's 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 uh, totally agree with that. Um, talk to us about a recent project that you're you know you're working on that's got you like seriously pumped. Yeah, so the thing that I'm really excited about, we are always talking about like, how do we get more juice from the squeeze of podcasting? And so we're asking our ideal buyers to be a guest on our on our episodes. And we haven't done everything that we could on the back end of those interviews to really develop closer friendships with the people that we've had on the show, because obviously not everybody is in the market to have a podcast, which is our core service offering, but right. we want to stay in contact. We want to actually build legitimate friendships with these people that we've had on the show, regardless of whether they become customers of ours or not. And one of the things that we've just recently started doing, we just launched our show is called B2B growth, but we've just started launching B2B growth groups. And so I just mm -hmm. put together six people. I think most of them were former guests on our show. Uh, some of them are customers. I think we've got one that's a potential customer. And what we're doing is we're putting together these micro groups and somebody from our team is going to facilitate it. And once a month for 60, you know, it's a 60 minute phone call once a month, uh, we are going to put these six people plus our facilitator onto a Zoom call. And we're going to talk about three different things. So the format of this mastermind call is the the first 15 minutes, we're going to have somebody from the group share a lesson learned. So something that has to do with their career and how they've accelerated growth in their career. So it could be a productivity hack. It could be something on, you know, how they've negotiated their salaries. It could be how they went from being, you know, an individual contributor on a marketing team to being a VP of marketing and what that career path looked like, some specific things they did to accelerate that path. So that's going to be the first 15 minutes, somebody from the group contributing. The second 15 minutes is going to be another person from the group talking about a marketing experiment that they've run and what the results were, something from the last 12 to 24 months. And uh, so that's going to be that's going to be really value packed. And it's somebody from the group contributing to it. And then the last half of the call, the last 30 minutes, we're going to do a deep dive on another person that is a member of the of that call, we're going to do a deep dive on their business. And so they're going to share a problem that they're currently facing in their business for five minutes. And then the rest of the 25 minute time block is going to be focused on 
everybody on that call, the seven people on that call brainstorming how they could solve that problem. And what we're doing here is really creating community in the micro. I think so many marketers have it confused. They think community, the success of community is measured in the macro and like, oh, we've got thousands of people in our community. But what I actually think is a more accurate representation of a successful community uh, I, I think success in community happens in the micro, not in the macro. I, I, I think we've got it confused as marketers. And so these B2B growth groups hopefully are a step in the direction of us starting to do many B2B growth groups and serving a lot of the people that have been on our show in the past in a way that I don't see anybody else serving the market right now. Uh, so that's that's a project that I'm super pumped about. Well, first of all, wow. <laughs> and secondly, um, yeah, that's such a great idea. I mean, like, um, you know, talk about like, um, you know, going the extra mile in terms of follow ups. And I think we and, and, and I think every podcast or any, anyone that runs a podcast, I think that's probably one of the other things that, you know, uh, we, we have to like um, wrap our heads around, like, you know, after the interview, what's the next step? What's yes. the follow up? Right. So, I mean, what an incredible way to bring people together. And I think you're you're absolutely right to say that sometimes I mean, because and, and, and this is not to like talk bad about any of those communities that are out there, but you're probably right. Like the, the not, you know, these communities are becoming so big, they're exploding. Yep. They've got thousands of members and it almost gets to a point where you can't really have that intimate one-on-one -on -one connection or relationship with, with uh, any of the members really. Yes. So, yeah, I, 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 I think that, you know, there's there's tons of value in those huge communities, too. I don't want to crap yeah. on those and pretend like they're not valuable. No, they no, certainly no, no. are. Mm -hmm. uh, but I know that where where I've had the most needle moving success in my own career, mm -hmm. uh, as I've been trying to build this business, it's come from more small, like smaller, more intimate groups where they can mm -hmm. speak specifically into my situation, understand my context. And, uh, and so that's what we're trying to create with our B2B growth groups. And I just think from a business perspective, I, I think it would be so smart for B2B marketing teams to start doing this because yes. as we have multiple people from our team start to facilitate these groups, it's going to allow us to intimately understand our buyers better than any of our competitors because mm -hmm. we're hearing the challenges that they're facing directly from their mouths exactly. and then helping them try to solve those challenges, regardless of how, you know, it's probably there, there's probably not going to be very many challenges related directly to what we do, which is podcasting and producing mm. podcasts, but mm. there's going to be lots of challenges that they're going to be sharing that now we know like, oh, how can we address this particular challenge in our content? Um, and how, you know, maybe we develop a new service around it, or maybe we come up with a new use case for podcasting that solves this type of problem. And so I think there's just something really valuable to, you know, being that close to your customer and future customer and understanding them at a level that I don't think many vendors, whether it's service vendors or tech vendors, I don't think many vendors go through the process of really trying to truly understand their buyer and doing these types of small, intimate groups like this. Uh, would be a forcing function to make sure that your team does actually mm. understand your buyers and, and what their challenges are and what they're struggling with and how right. they're winning too. I think that's valuable as well. Yeah, no, no, absolutely. And I mean, because also, uh, I mean, correct me if I'm wrong, you know, you organizing these smaller groups or these master masterminds, uh, so-called, I mean, you're doing it in such a way where, first of all, 
it's all about them, yes. right? It's about the customers. Um, you're empowering them to to also just share their struggles, um, share what they've learned, and it's being done in a non-intrusive way. Yes, right. So it's not it's not like at the end of the mastermind you say, okay, well, you know, buy something, right? I no, mean, it's not like not it, at all. I mean that's not that, that's not the objective of the exercise at all. at all. I right. just heard a story from some from a guy that's actually in this in our inaugural group, and he was like, man, uh, another company just invited me to be a part of something like this, but they basically just used it as a uh, as a group discovery call. And mm. as soon as the call was over, they tried to they they got me on a sales call and just basically berated me with a pitch. And it's like, cool. man, that couldn't be farther from yeah, what yeah. my heart and intent is with these doing these groups. Yeah. Uh, the likelihood that we'll talk about podcasting and what we do, um, just because we're the ones putting the group together. So we're probably going to be putting together people that have podcasts. So it might come up, but it is certainly not the goal. Uh, the, the goal of these is not to talk about what we do as a service provider. The goal is to actually genuinely help the people that are in this group connect with other people, their peers like them outside of their company. Company, but do what they do functionally um, so so that they can learn and get better. And I just think that the uh, I think the, the karma that's going to come back from that uh, will pay itself out in terms of ROI um, over the long term. But it, it is by no means this short term way to just hack getting on sales calls with people. No, 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 absolutely not. And, you know, especially in the world of B2B, I mean, like, you know, people can see through those types of tactics yes. right those those yep. so-called thinly veiled sales yep. tactics right? because people talk right the guy that i was yeah. just telling you about right he, mm -hmm. he told me and who knows how many other people he's told so people yep. talk and so when you do that kind of hacky crap uh it uh it, it ends up coming back and biting you because yeah these these people are are not living in silos they're no. they're they're talking <laughs> no. on social they're connecting with you know their slack groups and different communities that they're a part of because there are so many you know of these communities right like right it, it takes one message in a in a slack group that has a couple thousand people in it to go hey never never reply to james's you know email when he asked you to be a part of this all it is is a giant sales pitch uh mm -hmm. that's that, that could that could ruin uh, ruin your effort. Um, something that would otherwise be a very strategic and, and thoughtful thing to do could be ruined if you have bad intent. Yeah, undoubtedly. Um, so James, let's talk about a topic that you're, you know, clearly not just very passionate about, but you're, you're a subject matter expert, um, in, in this regard. So it's podcasting for B2B. So just give us a bit of background. And I know you, you, you talked about it earlier, but like, you know, what got you started on this path? Yeah. So when we were a blog writing agency, I was trying to figure out who would be the ideal buyers for us. And we were working with a church at the time in Houston, mm -hmm. Texas. And uh, I was like, man, how can we replicate this customer? How can we get more customers that look like this you know, mm -hmm. startup church? They call them church plants. And right. how can we how can we get more customers that match this? uh, persona. And mm -hmm. so I thought, well, I had started a podcast before with my buddy. I was like, well, what if I started a podcast called plant better? It was all about church planning. And what if I just asked our ideal buyers to be a guest on the show? And so I reached out to a hundred church planners that had no clue who I was. I had no previous relationship with them. And 80 of those 100 people responded to my cold email. Some of them said, yes. Some of them said, Hey, reach back out to me in six months. Uh, it didn't, you know, we didn't record episodes with all 80 of those people, but we ended up doing 45 episodes off of one email campaign to a hundred people sending a two sentence email that said, Hey, so-and-so saw that you're a part of the Acts 29 church planners network would love to have you as a guest on 
Plant Better, our, our new podcast. And we ended up getting 45 new relationships by being able to collaborate and create 45 episodes with people that responded to that email campaign. And I thought, man, I don't know of any cold cold outreach that gets an 80% reply rate. And uh, and so I thought, man, we're onto something here. As it turns out, church plants don't have any money for blog <laughs> writing services. So we figured out that, you know, product market fit was off. But I walked away from that experience going, man, we could deploy this strategy for B2B companies that do know who their buyer is. We were a little too early. We didn't know exactly who our, who our ideal buyer persona was, uh, but most B2B companies have that nailed down. So if we pivoted and said, hey, let's become a podcast agency so that we can deploy the strategy on behalf of our you know, customers that are mostly B2B SaaS companies, uh, then this could really work. And so that's, uh, that's what got us started. And then we've just been iterating and, and getting deeper and deeper into the world of podcasting and figure out, figuring out not just how do you grow an audience, but how do you build genuine relationships with strategic people that you want to know? So buyers, partners, uh, influencers in the space, and how do you build those friendships through collaborating on content together. And so we don't talk a lot about the nuts and bolts of podcasting. Um, we talk more ab about some of the, the softer skills that go into actually building friendships with your guests. Sure. I mean, that's an amazing origin story, man. And I mean, you know, like fast forward, like what is it now, five or six years later? Yeah. Top of your game. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, man. And uh, there's there's obviously a lot of competition. There's lots of shops yes. popping up. Um, the the barrier to entry on starting a podcast agency is pretty low. Um, and, and, and honestly, you know, I'm all for it. I, I love that there are more agencies out there serving companies. Not everybody can, you know, afford what our price point is at. We charge usually between, you know, anywhere from two to $10,000 a month for brands to work with us. And there's, I, I think every brand, I think you're going to see every B2B brand in the next five years have a podcast. So there's massive opportunity right now in the space. And, uh, and we've got some competitors that are doing some really great work as well. So mm -hmm. uh, I'm, I'm super pumped to see where this space is headed. Yeah, I mean, like, that's absolutely right. And I mean, yes, uh, it, it will be interesting to see where this is going to go. And we're going to talk about that a little bit later on. Um, but I wanted to like, just um, zoom in on something that you, um, you talk about it quite a bit. Um, and you've posted about it uh, considerably on, um, on LinkedIn. And that's, uh, <laughs> and I, I'm going to quote you here. Um, you, you basically say something to the effect of like, everyone and their mom <laughs> is starting a podcast during this pandemic, right? Yeah. So and, and, and it's gone even beyond the, the world of like B2B. I mean, like people like Jimmy Fallon was like, you know, hosting the Tonight Show from the comfort of his own home. Yes. Um, CNN news anchors, or it doesn't even have to be CNN. It can be news anchors from whatever network they are, right? They're, they're, um, they're talking about the, the, the daily news, um, you know, from their, uh, you know, from their, from their Kitchen. basement, from yeah. their homes. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, and, you know, you've been, you've been obviously in this, you know, in this business for quite some time so you've so you've seen uh you know a lot of things um happening as this you know as podcasting progresses so just talk to us a little bit about the five most common mistakes or the top five mistakes that you yeah. see people make when it comes to yeah. podcasting 
so I, I think a huge mistake that people make is how they name their show. So I, we see a lot of companies that they want to name their show after their company name, or they want to name their show after their product's name or one of their core values. And the reality is you need to figure out how you can name your show in such a way where people that you want listen to listen to your show are searching some keyword in Apple Podcasts and your show pops up. So with B2B Growth, our show, the, one of the reasons we've gotten the traction that we've had, the show's been downloaded over 4 million times. It's a top 100 marketing podcast in Apple Podcasts. And the reason that we've gotten the traction we have is because we rank for the term B2B and the term B2B marketing. So our show name is B2B Growth, colon, your daily B2B marketing podcast. And so you have to be really thoughtful about how you name your podcast. It's not naming the show after yourself, instead uh, after, yourself, yes, after your ideal customer. And name yep. it in such a way where the person that you want to listen is probably searching for mm. a term that is in your name. And mm. so uh, if you are, you know, uh, if you if you're wanting people to listen that are searching for stuff around data, mm. naming your show, I think one of our customers named their show something like leading with data. Well, mm. that 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 is going to be attractive uh, and that's going to pop up and and uh it, when somebody searches data in apple podcasts i can't guarantee that obviously there might be a ton of shows with that keyword in it but right now we're so early in the podcasting game even with a million podcasts when you start to look at the number of podcasts that are for your specific audience yeah. for the topic that you're talking about uh it, it's we're so early there's over 30 million youtube channels but only 1 million podcasts so yeah. it's just it really ruffles my feathers when people are like oh there's too many podcasts no there aren't like yes. <laughs> if there's still plenty of room to win on youtube there's absolutely room to win with with podcasting and so yeah that that's the first one is name your show around your buyer not around yes. yourself stop naming yes. it around your value your company name or your specific expertise the other downside to doing that christian when you name it around your expertise so had we named our show the b2b podcasting show mm -hmm. who's going to listen to a show about b2b podcasting not our buyers yeah. our competitors because our competitors are all in on podcasting. So of course they're going to want to learn more about B2B podcasting because that's what they're in the business of. You have to make your show, you have to make your show about something that your ideal buyer is going to care about day after day after day. And so they might care about what you do for one day out of the month, but they're likely not going to be, they're not thinking about account-based marketing or they're not thinking about uh, demand gen every single day, unless they're the director of demand gen, right? But if yes. you're trying to reach CMOs, you need to brand your show in such a way where it it touches on you know lots of different facets of marketing because that's mm. what your listener cares about. They don't just care about your expertise. Uh, another thing that I would say that uh, particularly companies don't pay attention to enough when mm. it comes to their podcast is ratings. So I just posted about this on LinkedIn today, yes. and you know so many people uh, are trying to optimize around getting podcast reviews when in reality podcast ratings are the thing that matter. Uh, ratings show up 
pretty predominantly, whenever you search a show, we call ratings a credibility indicator. And what that means is when, when somebody is searching for a topic, they see your show, if they see that it's only got two ratings, they're likely going to assume it's not a very good show uh, or it's too new and, it ha- and it's not consistent enough. So they're not going to give your show a shot for the same reason that you don't go to a restaurant on uh, uh, you know, when, whenever you see Yelp reviews and it's only got two ratings, you're like, ah, no, I'll, I'll try sushi somewhere else. And so, uh, the same is true with podcasts. So optimizing for getting ratings and, and that's really as simple as getting all of your employees to leave a rating. We've got a lot of customers that have a hundred plus employees. There's no reason every single employee should not leave a rating of your show and you shouldn't have a hundred plus ratings by the end of the first week that your show is live. The other thing it helps with is if you're doing content-based networking, what I talked about earlier, and you're reaching out to your ideal buyers to be a guest on the show, if that guest sees that your show has a hundred plus ratings, they're way more likely to want to be a guest on that show because they're going to assume that the, the show's got reach. So the thing that you're having to overcome here is podcasts don't typically, they, they, not typically, they don't show how many people are listening to each episode like YouTube. YouTube yeah. shows the views and then it shows the subscriber count. But with podcasting, the listener on the other side, uh, if so, if they don't have access to your hosting platform, they don't know how many listeners uh, this episode has been listened to. And that's actually a great thing for new shows because a lot of YouTube content doesn't get traction because people see that it's only got three or four views, even though it could be really great content. With podcasting, those views aren't shown. And so optimizing for ratings, getting your customers, your friends, your family, your employees to leave ratings of your show can really allow you to punch above your weight uh, when it when it comes to that. So uh, those are a couple mistakes that I that I see folks making. Well, there was one that you were talking about. I think um, I was listening to an interview with you and Logan Lyles this morning, and it's about like um, you um, you were um, I, I, I believe it was an observation of yours how some people just um, are tempted to make a, you know, just a big deal out of the production and they just, you know, make it like super fancy. And that's just something that's not sustainable for the long run. Is that correct? Yeah. So, uh, so doing narrative podcasts, I actually think that there's, there's a lot of room for you to get creative with some of your content. Uh, but with our show, we do one or two episodes a month where it's narrative, but it's a daily show. So one or two episodes are going to fit that more scripted narrative style. Mm -hmm. Uh, but then, We've got other episodes that where it's an internal conversation between our team, and then we've got other episodes where uh, we where we're interviewing subject matter experts, we're interviewing B two B marketing practitioners, and so I think that's another mistake that people make is they don't they don't understand how much volume matters. So Apple Podcasts yeah. is looking at how many episodes this show has going live. And I hear everybody push back on that and they're like, oh, but it's quality over quantity, quality over quantity. Mm-hmm. The reality is you get to quality by doing quantity. Right. The more content you do, the more you're going to learn what your audience likes, the more you're going to you're gonna know yourself. What, mm-hmm. what is the stuff that's that's resonating, uh, for, for our audience. And so, uh, so that's, that's a mistake. I'm really glad you brought that one up, Christian. Mm -hmm. Another one is 
I see a lot of companies that don't understand that you need to have multiple co-hosts for your show. So mm. if you want to put out more content, you don't need to put all of the weight of that content on a single host. Instead, spread the love. Have somebody that's your SDR manager, have them host a few episodes. Have your CEO host one episode a month. Have your VP of sales host some episodes. Have your VP of marketing and maybe maybe somebody else on your team host some episodes throughout the month. And uh, they can be internal episodes where they're talking to other people on the team. They can be solo episodes. They can be episodes where you're talking to subject matter experts and people uh, in you know your ideal buyers or partners or other thought leaders in the space. So open your mind to the different types of content that you can create through this medium and let more than one person from your team host the show. Right. Uh, another another thing going back, Christian, to the, yes. to the mistakes that I see people making, uh, yeah. they don't put enough thought into their podcast cover art. So that's another way that you can stand out. It's another credibility right. indicator. Uh, so in addition to ratings, just having a designer put you know thoughtful execution behind the podcast cover art. Don't mm. just do a blank white background. Have it have something that looks vibrant, similar to book covers, right? Like you see a mm -hmm. lot of book covers that have that light blue or orange or yellow something that pops mm -hmm. make sure that you're paying paying attention to that look at what the top podcasts and apple podcasts are doing for their cover art and see if you can borrow some design elements from those shows their top shows for reasons far more than just their cover art but the yes. cover art does play a significant part in it yeah no that's absolutely right hey it's christian klepp here we'll get back to the episode in a second but first is your brand struggling to cut through the noise are you trying to find more effective ways to reach your target audience and boost sales? Are you trying to pivot your business? If so, book a call with Einblick Consulting. Our experienced consultants will work with you to help your B2B business to succeed and scale. Go to www.einblick.co for more information. James, you, you touched on it already a little bit, with, especially with the statistics, but let's, let's uh, jam on that a little bit further. So, um, you know, so just to put it in perspective for the listeners, so we were talking about YouTube channels, and I've I've only got the 2019 statistics here, so 31 million. Mm -hmm. um, Facebook pages, over 80 million. Yep. Blogs, to drive that point home again, over 500 million. <sighs> and podcast, over a million. And as you've uh, rightfully alluded to, that number shrinks when you search by topics. So... <laughs> The next question might be a little bit obvious, but I'm going to ask it anyway. So why do you believe that now is the right time for B2B companies to start their own podcast? And why do you think there's still some resistance to that? So I think now is the time because it's highly likely that your competitors are not doing it yet. And mm -hmm. so you, the first mover advantage of ranking for the, the keyword that your buyers are searching in podcasts right now, mm -hmm. uh, they, at the end of the day, you know, you're likely going to start one in the next, you know, one to five years because you're going to be forced to, cause everybody else is doing it. You yes. might as well be first and capture that, that, that share of search. Um, and so that's why I think people should start now. Uh, you're going to do it anyway. You might as well start now and and get and learn and get better at the craft of podcasting um, before your competitors jump on it. Inevitably, your competitors are going to be on it too. But if you've got a few years on them, um, 
and you've been able to build community around your show for a few years longer than them, you're ultimately going to be at an advantage there. I think the reason people are shying away from it is there's this perception that it's complicated. When in reality, it, there's no easier form of content to create than just talking to people. <laughs> so I, I think people get caught up in all of the tech and, oh, do we have to work with an agency like Sweetfish? No, you can start a podcast for absolutely free using the Anchor app and you can go get a $50 mic and it's USB plug right into your computer and start recording episodes. You do not need to get fancy. Mm -hmm. um, and, uh, and so that's, that's what I think keeps a lot of people from doing it. Right. Yeah, no, you're absolutely right. And I mean, uh, I'm just going to plug this in there, but um, I, I actually downloaded your ebook um, on how to start your own podcast. And that's how I got started. So yeah, that wasn't complicated at all. I mean, you have to read through it. And, yep. and, and you guys do give uh, some really great options and suggestions. And I think you threw in a caveat where you don't have to use all of that technology or, you know, buy the most expensive microphone. Um, and, I, and I think more often than not, at times, it, it really boils down to what type of content you're putting out there, too. Right? Yeah. I think you're exactly right. No, that's a great point, James. And I think you did post about that on LinkedIn a couple of um, a couple of weeks ago. So that's a great point. Yep. Um, yeah, I, I, I think we're we're gonna get to the climax of this discussion, my friend. <laughs> I love it <laughs> because it's I'm talking about that, um, you know that that post you wrote on LinkedIn that um, I, I'm gonna say it received a crazy amount of engagement and responses. And let me just yeah. quantify that. Um, so at least the last time I checked, you got something to the tune of. 1,272 likes and 464 comments. And that in itself is incredible. But um, I'm not going to give the rest of it away because that's over to you. Um, tell, tell us a little bit more about what you were discussing that that you know that stimulated this conversation on LinkedIn. Yeah, yeah. So it's it's now got over a hundred and nine thousand views on this thing, which Ooh. does not happen very often at all for me anyway. Mm -hmm. um, and it was basically a post about you know if I got hired to be a CMO at a B two B SaaS company, this is what I'd do. Mm -hmm. And so the first thing I talked about is starting a podcast that features your ideal buyers as guests, which right. uh, that's a no brainer. Of course, I'm gonna I'm gonna say that because it's it's what we do. We built an entire <laughs> business around doing that. But before or after the interview, um, asking your guests a set of 10 to 15 rapid fire questions related to their job. So this takes usually about five to 10 minutes. You can do it in the pre-interview. So the separate pre-interview where you're just figuring out what the POV of your guest is going to be, figure out the angle that you're doing with the interview, or you can do it immediately post-interview. But regardless, what this allows you to do is create original research. And so you can then present that original research in a variety of different forms. So we're in the process right now of asking a hundred B2B marketing leaders that have been a guest on our show, these series of 15 questions, asking them things like, what's your most successful marketing channel? We're asking them like, what's the most over, uh, overrated B2B marketing tactic? What's the most underrated B2B marketing tactic? Uh, and asking questions like that, because we're going to at the end of getting a hundred, be able to look and pull insights from the things that we're learning from these B2B marketing leaders. So mm -hmm. I've already, one of the insights that I'm pulling, we've only done 55 interviews for this so far. One of the things that I'm learning is that marketers don't actually read marketing books. They read books huh. like Good to Great. They read books about organizational health. They read books about psychology. They read books about creativity. They read books that stretch their thinking. Well, that's a really interesting insight. If you're wanting to grow your career in marketing, don't think that you just need to have your head down in these tactical marketing books because these B2B marketing leaders, that's not what they're reading that have 
allowed them to become VPs of marketing and CMOs. So that's just one little slice of what we're going to be able to pull from doing this. And I think every podcaster should be doing original research. It's content that is in addition to the content you're doing for your podcast. So it's not like your podcast is just the same 15 questions over and over and over again. This is separately recorded and you use it for the purpose of putting together original research. So I talk about that in the post. And then I said, after the interview, I'd ask them if they want to be in a monthly mastermind group, which we talked about earlier in this interview. Yeah. After that, I said, I'd repurpose the crap out of the podcast interviews. I'd do micro videos, slide decks, you know, every kind of content that you can do from a podcast, especially if you record it on video with Zoom. Uh, there's tons of possibilities there. And then I'd say I'd turn the answers, you know, I, I say I'd turn the answers from the rapid fire questions into original research for top of funnel content and insight rich emails to nurture our email subscribers, which I elaborated on that a little bit before. Once you have this original research done, you can slice and dice that into so much different content. We're, we're going to be using it in our newsletter. We're going to be using it on LinkedIn. You're going to see a lot of that coming out in 2021. Uh, and then this last thing uh, I, I talk about, you know, having people from your team facilitate those monthly mastermind groups. Um, and, and so your team is going to intimately understand your buyers better than any of your competitors. And I talk about the importance of keeping those groups small and intimate. So five to seven people. Um, and so that that's the the crux of the post. But mm -hmm. it really is, you know, it's it's exactly what I would do if I got hired to be a CMO and we were talking offline, you know, there are people that a, a couple different people that chimed in of those hundreds of comments and we're like, mm -hmm. Oh, that's, that's just a list of tactics or that's, you know, that what about buyer personas and what about competitive research and all right. that, you know, it's just like, man, uh, <laughs> you, you read some of those comments and you're like, man, you guys have your head in the sand a little bit. Like this, uh, this is how, this is how things actually move the needle today. Like you have to know your buyers intimately. And what I just described, like reaching out to your ideal buyers, getting them on your show, talking to them about their expertise, how they're learning, how they're growing, get the, getting them into intimate, intimate groups, asking mm -hmm. them questions that are allowing you to do original research. That is you peeking into the brain of your ideal buyer. And I just right. don't think, I think that supersedes just about anything else you can do as a marketer. If you can understand your buyer better than anyone else, you're going to get to keep your job. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, those are some really incredible insights, James. And thanks. Thanks so much. For, first of all, for elaborating on that post and for sharing that with the listeners. Of course. Um, I think just to, just to throw on my two cents worth, because I had this discussion with another um, person I interviewed a couple of weeks ago, and it's, it, it, it's just amazing. Um, you know, how, you know, you've, you've obviously, you know, you're talking about things that you've already done, like, you know, you practice what you preach. And um, if we've seen, if there's anything that we've learned from this pandemic or a crisis of this kind of magnitude, it's that um, it, it's disrupted, like the crisis has disrupted uh, industries across the board, and it, it requires you to have a different mindset. In fact, I would even go as far as to say that you have to unlearn uh, certain things that you were conditioned to accept within yeah. your field of expertise in the past, because, um, you know, moving forward, I mean, you know, digital and technology are going to be the future, right? Yeah. There's a, there's a lot of uh, like traditional conventional methods that are, that have become obsolete as a result of what's going on right now. No, I, I think you're spot on, man. I mean, we're, we're, we're definitely not going backwards. Uh, yeah. If anything, I mean, this pandemic is just, it's driving forward what yeah. progressive companies were already driving toward. Uh, now yeah. it's just forcing the the rest of everybody rest else of the world to yeah. slow to adopt to it, it forced them to adopt. And so seeing companies that now, you know, are, 
are there, you know, hundreds of employees are now fully remote. Will mm -hmm. they ever go back to an office? I don't know. I mean, I was talking to a, to yeah. a CMO today and, uh, you know, big company in the, in the marketing technology space. Mm -hmm. And he was saying, Hey, I, I'm learning that I really love working remote and, and our CEO seems to be happy with the, the data that he's seeing on uh, how productive the team is, mm -hmm. even though they're not in the office. And so, yeah, that, that's, it's, uh, it's, it's only, it's only, we're only getting closer, um, and closer and closer to digital transformation and, and, uh, and people being able to work from anywhere and, yeah. uh, we're, we're, we're certainly not going backwards. Exactly. All right. Uh, James, just let's look into the crystal ball here for a second. All right. Like, so just fast forward 10 years from now, what changes would you like to see in the, uh, landscape, you know, in, um, with regards to podcasting for B2B? And I would love to see platforms that allow listeners to engage more intimately with content that they consume via audio. I, I don't know why Spotify or Apple doesn't allow you to comment or like or heart uh, a particular episode of a show. I, I think the conversations that would happen there would be really, really compelling. Um, it would allow hosts or, or creators to engage much more deeply with their listeners because right now it's kind of a black box. We can yeah. put out an episode, but we really don't know unless somebody goes through the effort of posting about it on LinkedIn or doing a tweet about it or whatever, which doesn't happen hardly ever. And we've got over 4 million downloads of our show. So people are listening to our show, right. but it's just not a natural behavior to go and and talk about what you listen to on a podcast publicly. But if you could just, as you're listening to it, leave a comment and, and say, oh man, that point about whatever was spot on. We've been talking about this with our team. Then me as a host, I now know, okay, that resonated. We should double down on this and create more content around this idea. Uh, mm -hmm. I can respond. I can engage in a similar way that, you know, you're seeing people that are really winning on LinkedIn right now, engaging with their audience and the people that yes. engage more with their audience end up creating better content. And so, right. uh, so that's, that's one thing that I would like to see. There might be something from a technological perspective that's keeping that from happening that I'm just unaware of because I'm ignorant right. when it comes to that. <laughs> but, uh, but I would love to see that progression in the podcasting space. Oh yeah, absolutely, man. I mean, like talk about like engagement and interaction on a, on a wholly, like a completely different level. Right. Yes. So, right. Cool. All right. Um, you know, there are probably a few, um, call them whatever you want, conventional wisdom, commonly held beliefs, and there might even be some of those when it comes to podcasting. So talk to us about one such belief that you strongly disagree with and why. Yeah, so I think there's a commonly held belief around podcasting that you can just turn on the mic and start talking and just start yeah. having a conversation with somebody and that the content is naturally going to be good. Um, yeah. I don't know that people would die on a hill for that belief, but I, yeah. I know it's a belief because we see it happen all the time. There's just a slew of very average content uh, in, in the podcast medium. And I think it's because it is so easy. 
to create that content. And so a, a framework that we've developed, we call it POV discovery. POV stands for point of view. Mm -hmm. But essentially uh, in the pre-interview with each of your guests, if you just ask these three questions, it will actually allow you to identify a very unique and differentiated point of view for your guest. And so one of them is a question you are, you, it's, an answer, it's, it's the question you just asked me, right? So yeah. what's a commonly held belief about whatever their expertise is that you passionately disagree with. And the way you frame that question is very interesting. It's something you passionately disagree with. So you're going to get a response from them that, uh, you know, their, their tone, their, their, their voice is elevated. They're excited. They've actually got yep. something to say about this. They're on a soapbox. All that yeah, <laughs> exactly. So, so that's, that's one question, uh, and that you can ask to, to figure out what their POV is. Another, the other two questions are similar. The first one is, you know, what's something that people in your space should start doing today that they're not already doing. The mm -hmm. second one, or the, the last one is what's something that people in your space should stop doing today that they are doing, but shouldn't be doing. Yeah. And so when you ask one of those three questions and then just sit back and listen to how your guest responds, take the response that where they're most, they have a most, they're the most passionate and then say, let's do an episode around that. And then once you figure out what that point of view is, then it's just a matter of running what we call what, why, and how. So on the actual interview, you set them up to share the what, what is their POV? So you can re-ask the question that, that originally got them to share their point of view on something. So you re-ask that question and then you dig into the why and the how. So why do you believe that? Why do you think that most people don't believe that? Why is this something that uh, you think people should do? And then how, how do we make this, what, how do we make this as action packed as we can? So what can a listener do tomorrow to start doing this? So I've done that in my answer, right? Like if you want to yeah. do POV discovery for your guests, start asking the three questions that I shared. Um, yeah. So, so we, we went deep on the how, and then I also talked about why, you know, the, yeah. the reason that this is happening is because this, con this podcast content is so easy to create. And mm -hmm. because it's easy, you think, oh, I can just have a conversation with somebody and it's going to be a good conversation. Unfortunately, that's not the case. So you can see how I just, it is a very meta, uh, because yeah. my, my advice here is straight, you know, you've, you've, you've deployed it perfectly in, in this interview <laughs> right here. You've allowed me to share a point of view, uh, which ultimately, uh, you know, it's hopefully differentiated. It's not something everybody else is saying. And so hopefully right. it made the content for this episode even better. Oh, absolutely. It made the content for this episode pure gold, man. <laughs> <laughs> James, this has been, no, it's, it's, it's the truth. Believe me. Um, you, you know, and, and you, you guys put out such great content on, a, on such a regular basis. Um, and, uh, you know, it, people who are, especially in the B2B space who are, um, who are running their own podcasts or hosting their own podcasts or thinking about hosting their own podcasts will be foolish to ignore the advice that you guys put out. I appreciate it's, that, Christian. That really means a lot, man. It's, uh, and I mean that. I, I, I really do. Um, but, James, this has been such an awesome session. I mean, thank you so much for coming on and sharing. Uh, what's the best way for people out there to connect with you? Yeah, so LinkedIn, James Carberry, C-A-R-B-A-R-Y. I love connecting with new people on LinkedIn. James at sweetfishmedia.com is my email. Uh, and uh, you can go to sweetfishmedia.com and learn more about what we do. Perfect. James, this was such an incredible session. As I said, it was full of amazing insights and advice. 
Um, I'm, I'm probably going to have to listen back to this again and start taking notes. <laughs> but um, but it, it, it jokes aside, it's really my hope that the people who do listen to this episode who haven't started podcasting yet um, actually do get up and take action. So thanks again for your time. Of course, Christian. Thank you so much for having me, man. This has been a blast. Absolutely. My pleasure. So take care, be safe, and talk to you soon. Bye for now. Thank you for joining us on this episode of the B2B Marketers on a Mission podcast. To learn more about what we do here at Einblick, please visit our website at www.einblick.co and be sure to subscribe to the show on iTunes or your favorite podcast player.